yeah, the self-criticism is important to keep you, I want to say to keep you grounded or to keep you focused so that, you know, you're being reflective and you're understanding the stage you're at. But at the same time, it's important to get even sometimes an objective view, like speak to your friends and speak to other people and actually get a clearer picture of what is going on. Because sometimes you can be so deep in your own head that you don't actually realize that you're doing a lot. Welcome to the Valuable Podcast, where there is value in every conversation. I'm your host, Victor Sasanya, and today I am joined with Temi Dansel, a mechanical engineer who turned full-time artist. In this episode, we discuss how Temi has specialised in realistic portraits, grown a YouTube page to over 350k subscribers, and has joined the YouTube Black Career class of 2022. First things first, shout out Zencaster, who is the sponsor of this episode and season two of the valuable podcast Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform which I've personally used from day one to record my podcast so there's no lies told I know this platform I record both quality audio and HD video online using Zencaster so if you want to start a podcast then you can too with 30% off your first three months so go to zen.ai forward slash valuable one and use my promo code valuable one alternatively just click the link in the description below then apply the code valuable one Zencaster has over 10,000 podcasters like myself in the creator network and they're successfully matching brands and companies with podcasters every day so even if you're a brand interested in sponsoring this show or running a podcast as to grow your business go to zen.ai forward slash valuable pod one and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business dreams to life without further ado let's get straight into this episode I'm so excited for you to join me on the Valuable Podcast. Do you want to quickly just introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Temi and I'm an artist. I like to say formally engineer, but technically I'm still an engineer, I guess. Um, but I'm an artist and also a content creator. Mm, wow. And can we just quickly break it down straight away? So, Because artists, like what exactly do you do? Because, for example, when you said an artist, the first thing that comes to my mind is like a music artist, maybe because of... <laughs> where I come from is like that's the sort of artist like I've, I don't actually know a lot of full-time artists doing what you're doing so like do you have a specific sort of niche or art that you create? Yeah and maybe I should start introducing myself as a fine artist or a visual artist because then people will be expecting me to sing and I'm like mm, I don't know about that but um so I do fine art I do portrait drawings so I specialize mostly in color pencil drawings and it's usually the realistic style but I also um experiment with other media as well so my go-to are realistic portraits um but obviously there are loads of different types of art so some people do graphics some people do even within fine arts landscapes still life um but yeah I focus on people and faces really it's art hobby for you I mean, it's my full-time job now, so I guess it's gone past being a hobby, but um, I definitely did it over time. So I did art when I was at school and I really, really loved it at school. And then I continued. So this was like GCSE A-levels. And in GCSE, I was doing like really small pencil drawings. That That's all I could do at the time. And that's all my teacher wanted me to do. So that was fine. And then I went to this A-level and it's, it's actually... 
I don't want to call it a deadly school, but it was a, it was a deadly two years. It was, it was crazy because this school, they could do incredible, incredible, incredible paintings. Like from year nine, they were teaching them to do meter by meter canvases. And I was just there, like getting into the school in these small drawings and they're looking at me like, where did they find this one? But, um, I ended up learning so much at that school because obviously I was thrown into the deep end with paintings and it was crazy. But that's where my art journey kind of started. Yeah. Wait, was that an art school? Was that was it specific to art or was it like a normal sixth form? No, it was a normal sixth form, like an independent. I don't remember what they called it. So it had like a boarding school that people paid for, but I just went to the normal day school. But it was just, I just say it was a high achieving school because there was no need for their art department to be doing all of that, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. But um, yeah, so it was just a normal sixth form. Yeah. No, in contrast, because my, my sixth form, we, I mean, I think we had art as sixth form, but I promise you there was like three or four students in the <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I thought that was more than that. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm actually telling because I remember one of my friends in the year above. So he was complaining about, as in there was literally four or make it max ten. There's no <laughs> way there was more than ten students in that class. And because one of my friends now, he's actually in like in America, and he he does lots of. So that's why I asked, what type of art do you do? Because mm-hmm. he does. Um, I mean, I want to say painting. I mean, my art skills are not that advanced, but he does <laughs> he does a lot of like. I think painting, a bit of oil painting, um, and different sort of type of art. But for him, it was a thing like it was definitely not the school per se that fostered him in that sort of art journey. So I was just curious for yourself, like, so you mentioned that school was what sort of propelled you, would you say pushed you um, to really hone in on your art skills? I think they really propelled me into colour because like I mentioned, I was only doing graphite detailed drawings um, before that. So it really threw me in the deep end. But in terms of the actual art that I do now, it was all like kind of fostered from things that I did in my free time. And because I don't even do paintings now. So it's all things that I've just kind of like, that's why I say I'm a self-taught artist because I don't think what I learned from when I was 16, 17, 18, it's really impacting the mm-hmm. art that I'm doing now, you know? Okay. So this is more so of you just practicing and teaching yourself, would you say? No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because the art that I was doing then was not, was not palatable. It was not really, it was okay, but um, it's changed a lot in recent years, I would say. Yeah. And, and the fact that you've become full-time and I saw that you actually made the YouTube creator class of 2022. Um, and I think, you know, congratulations, that's so amazing as well. But for people that don't know what that is, could you explain sort of what the YouTube creator class is and how exactly did you get onto it? Thank you. So um, it's called the YouTube Black Voices Fund. That's what um, kind of funds it. And I think it was put together by YouTube just to create some budget and some resources for black people on YouTube, basically. So they have classes. So I'm part of the UK class. They've got different African countries. I think they've got the US as well. Um, and then they've also got like an artist, like music artist side as well, I think. But um, anyway, so the fund for me is literally just an opportunity for me to get direct support from YouTube, which is incredible. So it they have actual seed funding. So they actually finance, financially have supported me, but also with, I've got a partner manager that I can speak to. So my next steps of YouTube, she gives me so much support. So for example, I really want to do more live streaming this year. And she got me with this live stream consultant at, that works in YouTube to go through so much stuff to help me literally direct support um, which is amazing and then the network as well so we have classes regularly so it's almost like a school year like they've got the different trimesters they call it and um, you have the 
knowledge you know that's being shared and then you also have talks you have the networking with your fellow students it's an incredible community to be a part of and how I actually got involved so I I don't remember how I found it but I found it and I applied and I got in basically no that's amazing and just for context in case people don't know so uh temi has a, a phenomenal art page on youtube i think with 330k subscribers around something like that <laughs> <laughs> humbly humbly by the time you're probably listening to this it'll probably be much more but um yeah and i actually watched a couple of your videos and because me myself like just looking at the content not that i want to be an artist and i think i told you this offline sort of art for me it didn't really work out in, 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 in secondary school so um but just looking at some of the drawings you do is absolutely amazing and the growth that you've had on your youtube page so you were on like around 50k subscribers last year right yeah i think i hit 50k around august last year and we're not even near august currently so that's like three hundred thousand subscribers and just you know, just under, yeah, and I think that's um so phenomenal. And I saw you were your face on in LA billboards, etc., uh, <laughs> etc. Et so, like, did you did you ever think like five years ago this is where you'll be now? No, to be honest, um, for me and art, I wasn't thinking about having this great YouTube career. Basically, um, so I definitely did not imagine this. I think five years ago, I'd probably would have been imagining working in engineering because I was doing an engineering degree so um definitely not okay so your background is actually from engineering yes okay so talk to me a bit about how you came to study engineering and transition into art that if if you because you you mentioned that you were doing art in sixth form so how comes you didn't just go straight into I don't know art school or something like that what why did you take the engineering route yeah, good question. So my other A-level subjects were maths and physics. So I really loved maths and physics and art was just like the creative one on the side. And in terms of how I got into engineering, I think it's pretty easy when you have that maths and physics background to just be um, encouraged into, in that direction. So at the time, I was also considering architecture, but it was something like seven years to do something. And then, so I just left that one in the side. And actually I went for a university open day. That's what encouraged me. Um, I went for the mechanical engineering course, like the course overview they had and the architecture one and the engineering one just appealed to me a, a lot more. So that's how I ended up in engineering. And actually I never considered studying art. It was just something that I did. Like I, I enjoyed it at school, but to me, that was the end of it really. No, so engineering was more so like the career that you were going down in terms of getting employment and income, etc. Yeah, and I don't know if it was because of a lack of exposure at the time, but I didn't, I didn't think for a second. Oh, yeah, art is an option. Like it was just yeah, engineering. I don't know why. For me, when I think about art and artists, I feel like there's there's sort of just two sides. You're either very much a student who's just doing art as a subject and you're not really that good or you're at the very top you know with the Picassos etc etc like I don't really see the middle in between of people making full-time living and maybe that's just sort of my exposure so did you have anyone you looked up to at the time in sixth form or during university? 
No, not at all. And that's probably why I didn't really see a future in art. I, I really don't con- consider it. My parents are both accountants, but my dad actually studied engineering. So for me, it wasn't like a, oh yeah, let me just go and do something creative. I think to be honest, before it started making money, it was very much a hobby. Yeah, you like to do that in your free time. Congratulations. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what you're actually going to do. It kind of yeah. Okay. So, so what was the actual transition? Like, how did you actually go full time into art? Did, did you just sit down and thought, hmm, there's a bit of money here. <laughs> the money can sustain me. Um, don't really want to be doing engineering now. Was it like a decision or was it sort of just, hmm, let me just try to do this full time? Like, I'm done with my other job. Yeah, no, it was 100% a decision. And I always say that it was the one time in my life where I actively made a decision in one direction as opposed to the other. So for example, going through school, it was just do your subjects then do engineering, then go into this job. But this was the one time that I was like, oh, actually, I need to make a decision that's a bit um, contrary to that. But to answer your question, I think the transition to full time, it was more like, I don't have the time anymore. I didn't have time to balance what ended up feeling like two full-time jobs so having my corporate job and having my art YouTube anything else that I was doing and actually having the time for my friends and family and what happened was after COVID so COVID happened so actually um background on my channel I I played my first video 11 years ago at the time I had an art blog so I would just post pictures of the process of the drawings that I was doing on my art blog and I thought oh I want to put this on YouTube as well and do some like speed drawing so I started uploading onto YouTube but I really did it very sporadically for a few years and barely did it while I was at uni but when I left uni I knew that okay I actually want to actively upload and act basically I wanted to be consistent so in and I left uni in 2019 so in 2020 I said it's my year of consistency I'm gonna be consistent every day and I uploaded videos very often but anyway so COVID happened and because of COVID and working from home it was a lot easier for me to manage creating consistent content and actually working on my corporate job on the side but when stuff started opening back up and it was now like oh I need to physically visit friends or I need to participate in any other thing that I do it was impossible for me to balance my engineering job and my art career and I think it was it was literally last year that I decided I finished my grad scheme and I decided that I need to decide what I want to do basically and art was becoming very lucrative there were months where it was matching doubling my actual salary that I was like what business do I have in this in the salary (laughs) job and that's where my actual passion is as well so yeah you know it was at that point it was a very easy decision but and even if it it fluctuates obviously but I just saw so much potential there because I think with the online space it's exponential in the growth and revenue streams so like I was at the cusp of what felt like a lot of potential so it was like why would I die trying to keep both when I can actually go all in on the art so yeah yeah wow no I mean I Again, like I didn't think art was a thing that you can monetize off so easily. But I, I actually was watching one of your videos and you talked about monetization. I think you talked about the seven different ways you can monetize. And you mentioned like you can do physical products, digital products, online courses, YouTube, AdSense, sponsorship, and even crowdfunding. And I'm sure there's much more. So like, what is it for you? Do you sort of use all those different uh, monetization tools or um, do you have one that sort of sustains you on your journey so far? Yeah, good question. Um, I think 
monetization is like the potential of it is great and especially when you have an audience so I actually focused on building an audience rather than trying to throw um, products or services at them so that was my focus for the first two years and now I'm in the third year of doing my YouTube Um, but in terms of how I monetize at the moment the main ways are YouTube AdSense which are the ads on my videos um, that people skip or don't skip it's fine Um, (laughs) and also affiliate marketing so with affiliate so affiliate marketing is when you have a link to something so let's say I use some coloring pencils in my video I'll put a link to it in the description and if it's an affiliate link and you buy from my link then I get literally pennies off of that so that works really well in some spaces um but for something like I think like in the tech space it works really well because if you're buying computers then you know one percent ten percent is a lot um in my space not as well but it's still you know an income source um and then I sometimes have sponsored content so brands will pay me to mention their product in the video and that's usually great um alongside sponsorships are like also kind of brand collaborations so a lot of art brands would give you they will gift you products so they will gift you I don't know another color and pencil set <laughs> and I'm like okay <laughs> um but in that sense is they just want you to use their product to maybe make a review it's like sometimes it is an income source because sometimes you get paid but usually no to be honest but there are other ways that I want to do so in the future I want to go into digital products so I don't do physical products anymore and a physical product for me would have been like commissions um or prints of my work it's something that I want to do in the future digital products is another thing that I want to do in the future I'm an avid planner I used to have a a lot of bullet journal content on my channel I do digital planning at the moment on my iPad um so I think some digital products in that aspect will be good and um in the future as well I really want to start a Patreon and for people that don't know it's a crowdfunding kind of page where you can support your favorite creators with more exclusive content um and you pay or you pledge it's like a monthly recurring revenue source and the good thing about Patreon like some artists are getting money like thousands like thousands on there and it really is just from support from your audience the good thing about it is that it's a recurring revenue source so on the months where YouTube AdSense might dry up on the months where you don't have sponsored content at least you have that recurring thing happening and actually so I'm launching my Patreon 1st of April so it's something that I haven't done yet but it's it's coming in the near future and I think there's one thing that you mentioned that was sort of um, crucial because you mentioned like so um, sponsors etc can give you like color and pencils and, and this and that but like being an artist how much does it sort of cost per se because you talked a bit about the money how much you can get from it but what does it actually cost to be an artist is it more so your time drawing is it creative thinking or is it sort of the pen like are you buying color and pencils from wilco like where do you, <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you get where do you get sort of the tools you need to create um so, some of these masterpieces yeah so it's I think being an artist is quite expensive to be honest I remember when I first bought my favorite set of color and pencils which <laughs> sounds nerdy but um that cost like 300 and something pounds and people are looking at me like why are you spending 300 pounds on pencils but they've lasted me for years and years and years and they're just amazing but the I think the majority of the cost comes from time my pieces take hours and hours and hours to complete and even then imagine you, you've invested all that time into it and you're not even happy with the piece you know um but yeah I think most of it is time and some of it is the actual cost of materials because they're also perishable materials so after you use that paint 
you can't squeeze it back up and put it back in the tube like the paint is gone so yeah and yeah, has, has there been cool. a point where you've actually done that where you've you created art you looked at it mm, I don't really like this like what what happens after that <laughs> what can happen you go again <laughs> um definitely and actually i that's why I stopped being a perfectionist with my art because at the end of the day, there's no pressure. If I don't like it, I'd go again tomorrow. And I really encourage that on my channel. And, you know, anytime I feel like something isn't going quite well, it's not a mistake. It's a learning curve. Next time I know not to mix colors this way or whatever else. So to me, it's not by force. It's not like I'm selling it to anyone to, you know, feel shame around it. It is, I feel like every piece is just practice, to be honest. Yeah. And and you talk about practice and you said that you don't um do commissions anymore. And I think one of the sort of reasons you mentioned before was that you felt like you were a bit undervalued and also underappreciated. So mm-hmm. first of all, in case nobody knows what commissions are, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it when um a client of, let's say I wanted a drawing of my family. So I come to you and I ask, hey, can you draw me, can you draw a portrait of me and my family? And then you sort of give me a price or we talk about what we sort of want so I thought that would be the yeah. typical way that artists sort of not only make money because not always about money but sort of how you actually provide value so you've got such a niche skill and craft that not everyone can replicate and you literally just said you had a lot of practice in it so how comes that you've just stopped that service and just put a halt, halt to it I literally made a video about this why I hate commissions commissions in my opinion are just it's just the worst way to spend your time as an artist. So I will say it's great for practice. It's great to be able to give someone something that they really cherish. Obviously people love personalized gifts and, you know, people get really emotional when they see their pets being drawn, their partner, whoever. And so commissions are great for that. But to commissions, realistically for me, it just wasn't making sense in, ter- in terms of the time it was taking. You're putting so much time into just one piece for one person and commissions can never be scalable if you're doing it by yourself because you're always going to invest a lot of time into it but also the actual customers so people give you the blurriest photos something that you can't really produce anything from and they're expecting a masterpiece and it's just it's just not it so the quality of photos people provide sometimes the time that it takes and the gratitude of people so you mentioned about the under um, you felt like you're underappreciated yeah like there was one person that just she insulted me really she was just like "Why did I even come to you and I was just like you gave me the blurriest photo like there's definitely I, I would just say the anxiety that comes with it because if I'm doing a normal piece for myself if I don't like the piece that's fine full stop if I'm doing a piece for someone so if I did a piece for you and your family and your dad is there why did you draw me like that what can I do am I going to start again so you know having having to have external validation for everything that you're doing as an artist it's not it and it's, it's quite interesting so do you not thrive off that sort of validation or that appreciation from people saying um I don't know like I always tell you like I, I love your your drawing I think you're very skilled because you you sort of mentioned um on one of your YouTube videos that when people say that you feel like they overlook the process in terms of how much time you've actually spent on your craft on your work it's interesting so I read a paper, or I didn't read all of it, but there's a paper, um, it's like some old paper in 1993, but um, it talks about basically this law, this rule of um, how to become an expert. And I'll link, if you're listening, I'll link it into the newsletter so you can read it um, properly. But it talks about, I'm sure you've heard of it, this 10,000 hours that you need to put in to become an expert. Now, this was actually done by um, 
uh, what's his name? I've got the person's name, but a guy, and he wrote this in 1993, but the idea never really surfaced or became popular until um, there was a book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And he really talks about the key to success, how you see like, I don't know, your Cristiano Ronaldo's or your Bill Gates sort of is the hours that they put in. So Mm. for you, do you think that's the same case for you. Is it a case that you've put in 10,000 hours? Like how much time? Because if you release your first ever, what was it, blog post or YouTube video 11 years ago, surely there must be a story. Like, do you think you've done those 10,000 hours? A hundred percent, maybe even more. Because if you think about each art piece is going to take whatever amount of time and then I've produced how many different art pieces. So hundred percent. Do you feel like every time you draw another art piece, you're sort of getting better? Or is it like what I'm trying to say? Is it a linear sort of progress or is it exponential? Was there a point in time when you it clicked? You've got this. This is what like you're good at. And this is how you're going to improve your, your work going forward. Yeah, I think it clicked. Um when I was in year nine because that's when I did my first portrait that I was like oh this is actually nice because you know every other time people are like yeah it's nice it's nice but it was the first time that I actually saw the value in what I was creating in terms of my skill level but I wouldn't say it's linear I think it just goes up feels stagnant for a bit goes up like I feel like it's kind of zigzag and also it depends on how you feel about the work as well so I say in retrospect there's some pieces that I look at and I'm like oh I I did something here, but at the time, I don't think I was necessarily feeling like that. Um, But to answer your question, I would say it's thousands of hours that go into each one. And the I don't think you have to improve with each piece because you can be challenging different things with each piece. And it doesn't have to be the next one has to be better because you could um there's some ways that I like to practice with limiting the colors I use or trying to use a lot of colors so it it doesn't actually it's not boring and like oh I'm just gonna keep drawing until I reach mastery for me I'm not chasing hyperrealism so hyperrealism is trying to find or capture every single detail so mm-hmm. every single pore and you know every speckle in the eye I'm not doing that I'm just trying to um trying to depict what I see so I say I do photorealism so I still um, inject my personality into it a little bit so it's still it still looks like somebody it's still it's still going to look like the person but I might play around with the colors or how I actually capture it I'm not chasing perfection with the art at all you're not chasing perfection but you sort of just built those hours over time and working and developing sort of your craft and so what what does it take what does that actually look like practically is it actually you just you're scheduling three hours a day to to draw to paint do you is does that even include sort of watching other people at their craft because I know for me personally yes I don't do art but when it comes to sort of public speaking or when it comes to something that I want to do I will actually spend a lot of hours studying before I do that. So for this is a prime example. Before I made this podcast, I spent hours checking how to make a podcast or what, what, like I listened to a few other podcasts, not many, but I still, I used, that's part of my hours, if that makes sense. Like my yeah. part of my hours is studying the game, like who's doing what, what works well, what don't work well, why are they doing it like that? Because that's just how I think and operate with, with sort of like everything in life. So um, was, was that the case for you as well? Yes. And I'm actually very much the same. So before I did my YouTube or my TikTok or even Patreon that I'm launching soon, a lot of research goes into it. What are other people doing? How can I bring my own, you know, flair into this space? So yeah, I definitely do that. 
you can get inspiration from all over. So personally, I follow a lot of artists and I watch a lot of artists' videos and their process. And I think that really helps. But something I speak about on my channel a lot is about intentional practice because you can consume and you can watch from now till next year, but until you put your own pencil to paper, until you put your own paintbrush to paint, to canvas <laughs> then you can't actually produce <laughs> anything um so yeah I think it's important to consume and see what other people are doing but at the same time it's also important to actually practice and by intentional practice I mean focus on what you want to improve on so my proportions aren't making sense okay let me do some practice exercises for proportion so proportions are basically making sure everything is placed in the right place so if, if I'm drawing my face I need to make sure the eyes are here if it's slightly out it's not going to look like me so proportions is just making sure that things it's probably the most strict part of art where if you're trying to go for a realistic style, it needs to be in the right place. But I didn't even need to go into that because if you want to improve anything, you just need to actually practice what you're trying to improve. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. So it's simple practice makes perfect. And I feel like it's that practice, practice, practice. But I feel like for most of us in, in a generation where there's so many things to do, there's so there's actually so many things to do. So how do we or like schedule our time to that to get that ten thousand hours? Because honestly, it feels ridiculous. Who's gonna spend the next ten thousand hours practicing on something and it doesn't work out? Um. So the first thing I want to say is. I don't believe in practice makes perfect with art. I believe in practice makes progress because I don't like to chase perfection with art. I feel like that puts an unrealistic pressure on what you are creating and that actually stifles some people from creating at all because if it doesn't end up being perfect, then, you know, what's the point? Yeah. But um, with the journey, I feel like the journey is the best bit because with art, I don't think you can get to level 1000 or oh, I've achieved it all. I've conquered it all. There's always something to learn. And so the art that I'm creating at my age now or the art I was creating three years ago is very reflective of my life three years ago. But in 10 years, the art I'll be creating can be completely different. But one doesn't need to be better than the other. But for me, I'm very much a planner and I definitely had to schedule some time. With art, it's always weird because you can't, always force yourself to create art some of it comes with actually feeling the motivation or feeling inspired to be able to create but sometimes you have to be strict and you just have to be like I'm gonna sit down for an hour a day so for example when I was at university I did not have the time alongside my mechanical engineering degree to ever do art but I had to schedule even if it was just once a month or whenever do a little bit of this drawing and I think because I was recording my process for the internet so I at the time I was just posting progress pictures on my Instagram that kind of inspired me to okay I need to get back onto this so that I can share the next step and that kind of comes with building a community because the community then wants to see that from you or expects it from you or you just feel inspired to share it and that helped me to actually make time for it um it's not easy especially when I think you mentioned there are a billion other things that you literally could be doing and it yeah. takes so long, but it's hundred percent rewarding. Yes. Yeah. And have you ever been approached to make art for NFT? Mm, I knew you were going to good day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, it's like with NFTs, yes, they're so popular. Yes, they're so rewarding. But at the end of the day, you need an artist to actually create something. And I feel like it's such a lucrative 
field right now and i'm seeing like even some of the nfts that um are being made i'm thinking wow like this is um whoever drew or made this is amazing i'm not thinking about the money behind it. i'm just thinking about that what the actual um, nft represents so is this something you've ever been approached i have not been approached about creating an uh, nft but it's something i've considered so i've had friends and family mention oh have you considered this and NFTs are a bit of a touchy subject with actual artists. Traditionally, or let's just say some artists are actually against NFTs. Some of it comes down to, it's almost like, you know, when you see that canvas, that it's just red paint in the middle and it's sold for $300,000. It's that whole thing of almost rich people just trying to change money. So it's like celebs can easily make loads from an NFT, but an actual traditional artist, not necessarily. So it's like, if you're well-known already or, you know, some niche cases, then you can, but it doesn't seem that lucrative for like an everyday artist. But also, I don't know if you know about the environmental impacts of NFTs. Very bad for the environment. And some people, I mean, people, I care about the environment, but um, because of the blockchain and how much energy they use, it's actually... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. There's def- there's definitely been a lot of concerns, even with with the computers that mine these cryptocurrencies, yeah. like Ethereum, where the blockchain runs on. Yeah. Of course. I yeah. think. But I think it's one of those things. Many many people actually don't think about that. So um, it's quite it's good that you are like in terms of you're not just here to sell your art for a quick check, if that makes sense, or quick transfer, bank transfer. Like you're actually caring about one. If like if you made that same art would you make as much sales etc would they value you as an artist or is it just because there's a celebrity name behind the project if that makes sense yeah exactly and I think people sometimes just fall to trends and oh what's the next big thing and to be honest it's fair because gone are the days of you have to be a starving artist or you have to be dead to eat from your art so I definitely recognize the people that are like okay you know what I actually want to make something but for me personally NFTs are not something that I'm considering at the moment but never say never I don't know in a few years I'll, <laughs> I'll be there but um yeah not currently no of course and I always wondered like with everything you do from the drawing to the managing the YouTube page posting content create content is it just you like are you a one woman bandwagon do you have a team behind the scenes like working <laughs> if only yeah it's just me at the moment um I'm definitely looking to hire very soon. So I'm looking for editors. I'm already in the process of doing that. But at the moment, edit all my content, create everything. And yeah. Okay. So what's the process like? Even if someone wanted to make a YouTube channel or should I say even grow a YouTube channel? Because there's a lot behind what you do. Like, for example, some of your thumbnails, they're just, I just want to click. <laughs> so is is there a lot of thought process into that? Editing the videos, like you just said, filming the videos. What what, what does it take to run a successful YouTube channel? So day to day for me with YouTube, it's all about creating the actual content that my audience wants to see. So some days it's filming for hours and hours because I'll be filming the face parts where I'm, you know, speaking to the camera or whatever I'm doing. And then the actual art part of creating the piece, um, if it's a challenge using crayons or whatever, then I'm creating that or a tutorial sometimes. And then at the editing stage, then I'm putting the voiceover, the music, everything else to actually help to tell this story um so that's the basic youtube production process and for growing a channel for me i can just speak about my experience i think it's different for different people for me i started by like i said back 
11 years ago, I was just doing speed drawing videos. And then I started doing more tutorials and actually showing that because what I find with artists is some people follow them because they think they're interesting. They think the art they create is nice. But a lot of an artist's audience is actually other artists that want to improve their own skills. So or maybe stay motivated. So in that sense, I found that tutorials, I was being asked a lot for tutorials like how are you doing what you're doing and even if I was showing the speed drawing people still wanted to really hear what was going on um so yeah I started doing tutorials on my channel and then I started a series that I called the Temi's tirades where I would just be ranting about something or the other and I think people love listening to things that they can relate to sometimes or just things that they, they just want to hear the insights of an artist so I remember when I made my why I no longer do commissions video and I shared it with a few of my friends and they were like oh I've never thought about it from that perspective because to them it's just oh yeah of course you just draw for someone um so the Temi's tirades really propelled my channel because people then really saw the face behind mm. the art where before it was just my hands that you could see now they could actually see who they were speaking with and they stayed for not just the arts but then the personality and okay what's she going to talk about next um so yeah for me that really helped to boost my channel and then I started doing more art challenge videos like trying to create art with crayons trying to create art with a medium I've not used in 10 years oil paints um yeah and that, that's what really kept my channel exciting but in terms of growing a channel I think it's about focusing on the value add so what is your audience here for I see some channels that will grow maybe based off of like a few viral videos and it might not be something they necessarily want to do like pass that so it might be like let's say a few tech videos or a few what's on my iPhone videos and then all of a sudden they're like actually I want to do beauty and then they start playing beauty but people came here for what's on your iPhone <laughs> so that's what we want to see um so in that sense you want to focus on the value that you're bringing and also fulfilling what your audience actually wants they they are very vocal in the comments <laughs> so literally just listen to them but of course when it aligns to what you also want to do that's almost the sweet spot um but yeah creating value for them and just I think upgrading your quality. So focusing on what you can control rather than thinking, oh, I want to grow to a certain amount. Focus on consistency, uploading one video every week, one video every two weeks, whatever you can manage. And just making sure each video is 1% better than the last one. And in the end, you're just going to create a consistent library. And how I like to think of it as well is I want people to come to my channel and see a good library of things. Like I would hate for someone to find me when I'm still finding my feet with even creating good videos. And there's some of my old videos that have over a million views. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, why? Like, because there's so much I would change. But I had to do those videos to then get to the point that I'm at now. So just focus mm. on creating better, better videos, um, I think actually helps with the growth. Mm, that's good. You see what you just said there, process. It's part of the process. And I feel like so many people want to actually discount that process or get rid of it because you actually mentioned something that was very very key and it's pondered on my mind so much you said that some artists just have a few viral viral videos and um yeah that's just it that's what brings followers to their page but like it cannot be consistent and for me um that's something that I've been thinking about as well because so many people have actually when I say oh who should I get next on the podcast right they've recommended some guests right and for me personally, I've just felt like I'm not, I'm still going through the process that like I can't just create a podcast as I'm not saying I'm a nobody, but I can't just get on here and get a next celebrity just to calm down because what's going to happen is that celebrity or that person who's put in those hours, they've put in those years to build their following. 
they will come. The episode might go viral. Then people leave with them. <laughs> Does that make sense? To so go follow yeah. them, and 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 no one will stay for for me. And it's not even from a selfish or prideful aspect. It's just sort of like going through the process. And that's why I wanted to touch on it. So you actually have videos where, yes, they've even done good, but the, it was part of the process. It was part of your posting, and and you enormously grew that YouTube channel up to the point where three hundred, you know, three hundred thirty k, forty k. That basically thousands, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. We're seeing a lot <laughs> of numbers, and thousands. You know? <laughs> thousands and thousands. And um, no, I think I think it's so good. And I think you also, um, yeah, you also mentioned what was it the thing you said at the very end? One percent better every day. And I just wonder the 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 woman behind the art. Like, do you work on yourself getting one percent better every day? So we're not talking about the art. We're talking about the actual self development because it must be you know art as much as you love it. There must be times you might be frustrated. Like, have you've grown as an individual? Yes, I definitely do, and I think I'm probably harder on myself than I need to be. But um, that's a philosophy that I take into every aspect of my life. Like I'm a very strict goal setter and I do do it for the different aspects. And I think with self-development, it's always a hard one, especially because art is just so much of what I do. So it feels like it overwhelms me. But at the same time, with my personal relationships with people, it's like there's just so many different aspects that go beyond the art or like the art doesn't even like come into play. Um but yeah, it's something that I try to do with everything. And I, I just, I'm so self-critical. That's the thing. Oh, sorry, we didn't even get it. <laughs> no, how do you deal with it though? If you're so self-critical, now, is that something that you're still sort of working on to give yourself some leeway or do you think it's, it's needed to, to strive for that mastery? Um, I'm definitely working on it and giving myself more grace but the reality is especially with comparison so I try not to compare myself I also sometimes don't see the value of what I am doing or what I have done and I just think of you know someone else that might have it better but um, yeah the self-criticism is important to keep you I want to say to keep you grounded or to keep you focused so that, you know, you're, you're being reflective and you're understanding the stage you're at. But at the same time, it's important to get even sometimes an objective view, like speak to your friends and speak to other people and actually get a clearer picture of what is going on. Cause sometimes you can be so deep in your own head that you don't actually realize that you're doing a lot. But, um, mm. yeah. Say that one again. Say that one again. <laughs> sometimes you're so deep in your own head that you don't realize how much you're actually doing so yeah is there anybody who you look up to or that's really influenced you um in your journey so far yeah so there are a few different people with art for actual artists there's an artist called Calvin Okafor he's a Nigerian artist and he does hyper realistic work so very detailed pencil drawings and he so I mentioned that I started a blog 11 years ago so I started a blog because I saw his blog and I wanted to also share my art so he is someone that still inspires me till today amazing incredible artist you have to check out his work and Another artist is Heather Rooney. So she actually did color pencil drawings and she's the one that inspired me into color because I didn't really like painting, but I wanted to start using color and I wasn't really sure how to. And I think coloring pencils is that perfect mix where you have the control of the pencil, but you're also 
be you're also able to create amazing painterly work so those were the main two and for youtube another artist called 1000 so his real name is peter and he does he creates incredible videos and for me like i just really want to do an amalgamation of the three where i'm able to tell amazing stories in my videos but also create incredible also create really good artwork (laughs) as well so yeah I would be checking them out. Um, and also, if you're listening, I'll also link them into the newsletter. Um, and if you're not subscribed, you can subscribe at www.valuablepodcast.com where we summarize just all the value that you hear in written form. So those of you who don't want to listen again or you might want to share with a friend who's an uh, avid sort of reader, then they can do that as well. But tell me, I mean, I think, yeah, I've learned a lot from you um definitely a character personality and i feel like yeah you've just been very sort of real with 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 what you do so where can they sort of reach you find you um support you and see your amazing work so the best place to find me is youtube um my channel is temi danso art and i just show the process behind my art and occasional rants and all of the rest but I also have an Instagram, which is Temi underscore Danso, TikTok, the same. And yeah, those are my active social media pages. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to give it a five star rating and leave a review. Alternatively, you can send us a DM on Instagram at Valuable Podcast and sign up to our newsletter at ValuablePodcast.com. Remember, increase the value you provide and you'll rise in due time.